It has been entirely too long since our last meeting, fellow humans. I hope you're doing well as we ease closer and closer and closer to the closing of the year. Let me just take a moment to welcome you back to ASM Murder, the only true crime podcast with an ASMR twist. I, of course, am your humble host, The Guru, and let me just say that it is an absolute pleasure to spend my time with you today. Why, Gru, you magnificent malacophonous McNugget, I hear you say, what shall we be exploring today? What a delicious question, young shoehorn. Today's episode is number 16, and today's case is a pretty recent one that you might know. Had 10 or more possible killings, all bodies disposed of near the south shore of the Atlantic Ocean in Long Island, New York. He's known as the Gilgo Beach Killer, or more commonly, LISK, L-I-S-K, which is an acronym for Long Island Serial Killer. To make things easier, I'm just going to call him LISK from now on. Anyway, as most of his victims offered sexual services on Craigslist, he's also known as the Craigslist Ripper, a classy fellow to be sure. So sit a while, fellow humans, gather around my fire while we speak of tales whose main character might still be as lively as the flames. Content warning. Today's episode contains graphic content not suitable for some audiences, which include mentions of sexual themes, violence, descriptions of crime scenes, and the state of dead bodies, including that of a child. Listener discretion is therefore advised. This murderer had been killing for years before the first human remains were found in late 2010. It's hard to believe that almost 12 years had passed since then. Time sure does fly by. It was December 11, 2010. Winter was in full swing when the first human remains were found by the authorities beside Ocean Parkway in Oak Beach. The search had been prompted by the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert, a sexual worker who had gone missing in May of the same year after escaping from a client's home. She made a long call to 911, saying that someone was going to kill her. A month after Gilbert disappeared, Suffolk County Police Department's Missing Persons Bureau asked Officer John Malia to search for this woman with his trained dog, but Malia didn't have much luck. He decided to investigate again on December 11th by staying close to the parkway. His dog was able to find human remains of a woman named Melissa Bartholomew, and police were able to find three more bodies nearby of the victims, Maureen Brainerd, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. A couple of months later, in March 2011, partial remains of Jessica Taylor were found along the same parkway. In 2003, police had found other remains of this woman in Manorville, Suffolk County, which indicated that she might have been killed before the first victims were discovered. In April 2011, police discovered three different sets of human remains, an unidentifiable female toddler, an unidentified Asian person, and Valerie Mack, whose partial remains had been found in Manorville back in November 2000, just like it happened with Jessica Taylor. Two more bodies were found in Nassau County around this time, an unidentified woman whose partial remains had previously been found on Fire Island in 1996, and an unidentified woman who was later found to be the unidentified toddler's mother, the little girl found in Suffolk County. And on May 9, 2011, 
police believe that the murderer of Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack, who was unidentified at that time, was a second killer. But on November 29th of the same year, authorities announced that they believe that one single person was the culprit of all the murders and that he's most likely from Long Island. This theory was born thanks to the similarities in forensic evidence and the state of the bodies. In June 2011, police offered a reward of $25,000 for solid information that led to an arrest in the Long Island murders, but still no one stepped forward with information. Shannon Gilbert's remains were finally located in Oak Beach some months later in December 2011, 19 months after her disappearance. The cause of her death is not a consensus between professionals. Everyone has a different theory, which they claim is the truth. This case was so important that even the FBI got involved, which was publicly said on December 10, 2015. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Tim Seney was the one to announce this, exactly one day after the former police chief, James Burke, was indicted for conspiracy and civil rights violations. He had been reported to have prevented the FBI involvement in this case for years, although they had participated in the search for new victims, but never participated in the actual investigation. Burke was sent to federal prison for assault and conspiracy in November of the following year. The remains of the victims were found in two different sets. To begin, we'll focus on the victims found in 2010 known as the Gilgo Four. First, we have Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She lived in Norwich, Connecticut, and was 25 years old when she disappeared. She was last seen on July 9, 2007, and she had said that she had planned to spend a day in New York, just to never be seen again. Brainerd Barnes was the mother of two children and worked as an escort to pay the mortgage of her home. She had stopped doing this for a couple of months but returned to sex work after receiving an eviction notice. Her body was found in December 2010. Shortly after she went missing, one of her friends, Sarah Carnes, received a phone call from an unknown man. He claimed that he had seen Brainerd Barnes and that she was staying at a, quote, whorehouse in Queens. He didn't identify himself and told Carnes that he would call her again to give her the address, but he never called again. This stranger did not seem to have a New York or Boston accent. When Brainerd Barnes went missing, she was working at a motel in Manhattan. On the night of July 9, 2007, she called a friend in Connecticut to tell her that she was going to meet a client outside of the motel, and unfortunately, we all know how that went. This woman was short just like many of the other victims, and she was also strangled. Now it's time to talk about Melissa Bartholomew. She was 24 when she went missing on July 12, 2009, and had been living in the Bronx in New York and worked as an escort thanks to Craigslist. When she went missing, she had met a client who deposited $900 into her bank account. She tried to call an old boyfriend, but the call didn't go through. A week after Bartholomew went missing, her teen sister, Amanda, started to receive mocking calls from an unknown man for about five weeks who might have been using Melissa's phone to pester the girl. He asked if Amanda was, quote, a whore like her sister, and the calls became more and more disturbing as time passed. They ended once the caller said that Melissa was dead and that he would watch her rot. Authorities traced some of the calls to Midtown Manhattan, but they were unable to figure out who was responsible for this. Bartholomew's mother said that there were a lot of calls to Manorville around the time that Melissa went missing. 
Bartholomew was a small woman, and she had been strangled to death. The third victim was Megan Waterman. She was 22 when she went missing on June 6, 2010, shortly after placing advertisements on Craigslist for an escort. The previous day, she had told her boyfriend that she was going out and would call him later. At the time of her disappearance, she was staying in a motel in Hopog, New York, 15 miles away from Gilgo Beach. Her body was found December 2010. She was a mother of one child and had become a sex trafficking victim. Just like the previous victims, she had been strangled too. Then there was Amberlyn Costello, who was 27 when she went missing and came from a town 10 miles north of Gilgo Beach. She was a sex worker and heroin user who went missing on the night of September 2, 2010. It was reported that she went to meet a stranger who had offered her $1,500 to have sex. Costello was living in West Babylon, New York, when she went missing. Her family believed that she was at a residential drug rehabilitation center, which is why her disappearance was not reported immediately. Before moving to West Babylon, Costello had been living with her husband in Clearwater, Florida, where she had been working as a waitress. Her drug addiction had began when she was a teen. She was strangled as well. Now, let's talk about the victims found in 2011. We'll start with Jessica Taylor. She was 20 years old and lived in Manhattan until she went missing July 21, 2003. Five days later, her naked torso was found 45 miles east of Gilgo Beach. It was found on top of a pile of scrap wood at the end of an access road near Halsey Manor Road, north of where it crosses the Long Island Expressway. Plastic sheeting was found under the torso, and a tattoo on it was mutilated with a sharp tool, probably to make the identification of the victim more difficult. The torso was missing its head and hands, and the owner was identified thanks to DNA analysis later in the year. Then, on March 29, 2011, more remains were found at Gilgo. This included the remains of a skull, a forearm, and a pair of hands that used to belong to Taylor. She had been a sex worker in Manhattan and Washington, D.C., and she was last seen near the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan between July 18 and 22, 2003. Then there was Jane Doe number 6, who was later identified as Valerie Mack. She was 24 when she went missing in 2000, living in Philadelphia and working as an escort. She was pretty small in stature like many of the other victims. Some of her remains were discovered in Manorville on November 19, 2000, but they weren't identified until May 28, 2020. Her torso was wrapped in garbage bags, and it was found in the woods near the intersection of Halsey Manor Road and Mill Road. Her head, right foot, and hands were later found on April 4, 2011. Her right foot had been cut off above the ankle for uncertain reasons. Only two of the most recently discovered bodies were ever identified. It must have been hard for their families, but at least they know where these women are now, unlike how it happens with the unidentified victims. On April 11, 2011, police in Nassau County discovered dismembered skeletal remains in a plastic bag near Jones Beach State Park and this victim was called Jane Doe No. 3. DNA tests indicated that these remains belonged to a young African-American woman whose torso had been found in Hempstead Lake State Park 14 years earlier, on June 28, 1997. The torso had been inside a green plastic Rubbermaid container next to a road on the lake. She had a tattoo on her left breast of a heart-shaped peach with a bite out of it and two drips falling from its core.
which won her the nickname of Peaches. In December of 2016, police identified Peaches and Jane Doe number 3 as the same person. Plus, Peaches was revealed by DNA to have been the mother of Baby Doe. Both of them had been wearing similar gold jewelry when they were found. Great galloping gonads, grew. who's this baby doe I'm talking about? Well, it was a little toddler that was between one and four years old, whose skeleton was found April 4th, 2011, about 250 feet away from Valerie Max remains. She was an African-American girl who was wearing a gold necklace and gold earrings. Then there was also the body of a young Asian person, discovered on April 4th, 2011, at Gilgo Beach, close to where the first remains had been found. They had died from blunt force trauma, and it was determined to be biologically male, but was wearing women's clothing. They were missing four teeth, between 17 and 23 years old, 5 foot 6 in height, and they might have had a disorder that it would have affected their gait. They had been dead for 5 to 10 years. It was hard to tell. Police released a composite sketch of the victim in September of 2011. Now we have Fire Island Jane Doe, whose skull and some teeth were found April 11, 2011, at Tobey Beach. These remains were linked thanks to DNA to a set of legs found on Fire Island 15 years earlier on April 20, 1996. Her remains were the second set to be discovered in Nassau County, and she had a surgical scar on her left leg. There's another victim that's not confirmed to be related to the crime. We've already talked about her. Shannon Gilbert, found on December 23, 2011, in a marsh about half a mile from where she was last seen. Some of her clothes and things were found nearby just the previous week. Even if authorities don't think that the Lisk case is related to Gilbert, her mother believed that her daughter had been murdered by a serial killer. Maybe she was right. Let's talk about the suspects now, and you can make your own conclusions, fellow humans. On September 12, 2017, a Suffolk County prosecutor called Robert Bianca Villa announced that John Bitroff, a carpenter from Manorville, was suspected in at least one of the murders of the case. Bitroff had actually killed two sex workers in the past, so who's to say he didn't kill again? There were similarities between his concrete victims and the Gilgo Beach crime scenes. Plus, the remains of Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack were found about three miles away from his home. Seems strange to think that he would be so absent-minded as to leave evidence so close to his house, but who am I to say? He was arrested in 2014 after his DNA was found on two murdered women, Rita Tangretti and Colleen McNamee, whose bodies were found in 1993 and 1994, respectively. He was convicted in May 2017 for these crimes, and the Suffolk County Police didn't say anything about Biancoville's statement as the Lisk murders were still being openly investigated. Bitroff was a carpenter and a hunter. Grew, you glorious, grandiose grammaticaster, I hear you say. Why in the crispy crud muffins would I care about his job? Another tasty question, my loquacious logophile. The answer is simple. He claimed to enjoy hunting, and he had access to different types of saws thanks to being a carpenter. Many of the bodies had been dismembered with skilled precision. A newbie couldn't do such precise cuts. Another connection is that the adult daughter of Rita Tangretti, one of Bitroff's confirmed victims, was Melissa Bethlehem's best friend. Melissa's mother said that she had lots of calls to Manorville from her phone before dying. The second suspect is Joseph Brewer, 
who was one of the last people to have seen Gilbert alive. He had hired her from Craigslist the night she went missing, and he said that she had been acting weird and escaped from his home. Gilbert was reportedly seen running around Brewer's neighborhood and pounding on the doors of different houses, calling to 911 and saying that they're trying to kill her. Brewer was quickly cleared as police didn't find any evidence of wrongdoing. We have to keep in mind that Gilbert is not a confirmed victim, but it's still important to consider everything in cases like these. Okay, on we go. Sometimes the people involved in investigations can become suspects of these crimes. This is what happened to James Burke, former Suffolk County Police Chief, who had blocked the FBI from investigating the Lisk case back when he was still in service. He was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison for assault and conspiracy, having violently arrested a man in custody who had stolen a duffel bag from his vehicle. This bag contained sex toys, a pornographic DVD with snuff films and Viagra, and he pled guilty February 2016 to charges of a civil rights violation and conspiracy to obstruct justice. In December of that year, an attorney for Gilbert's family said that an escort that went by the name Leanne suspected Burke of being the culprit of the Lisk cases. She stated having seen him dragging an Asian-looking woman at a party in April 2011. Leanne stated that she engaged in sexual activity with Burke at another party in August 2011 and that he had been violent during oral sex via yanking her head harshly enough to make her tear up. An attorney and prosecutor were convicted in a conspiracy made up to cover Burke's violent assault as recently as December 2019. I feel like something very strange happened here, like, why would a police chief hinder an investigation? It's sus, as the cool kids are wont to say. Now, there's someone else who might have committed this crime. Peter Hackett, a neighbor of the second suspect, Joseph Brewer, called Gilbert's mother, Marie Gilbert, two days after she went missing. He said he was taking care of Shannon, saying that he, quote, ran a home for wayward girls, and had given her medication because she was unwell. Three days later, he called Marie again, saying that he had never contacted her or even talked to her daughter, but obviously phone records showed that this wasn't the truth. Another strange fact regarding Hackett and the case is that the area in which Gilbert's remains were found was around this man's house, and her things were found exactly behind his property. Of course, Gilbert's family took direct action. They filed a death suit against Hackett in November 2012, but it was dismissed as nobody could prove that Hackett had given any kind of drugs to Gilbert. Although authorities revealed that this man tended to insert himself or even exaggerate his role in things that happened around him, and so they ruled him out as a suspect for the Lisk crimes and Gilbert's murder. Shortly after Gilbert's disappearance, Hackett moved to Florida with his family. The last known suspect is James Bissett, who killed himself in his car two days after Gilbert's remains were found. He was a businessman, and one of his businesses was a plant nursery that was known to be the main supplier of burlap in the region. Many of the victim's remains had been wrapped in burlap when they were found. A bit too specific to be a coincidence for me, wouldn't you say, fellow humans? As of 2022, the murder remains unsolved. But new evidence was released to the public in early 2020, months before the Big C settled in to scare the wits out of everyone. No, not that Big C, the other one. Yeah, COVID. 
Anyway, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Geraldine Hart showed images of a belt found at the crime scene that had either the letters WH or HM embossed in black leather, depending on how you looked at the belt. The letters would be different, so nothing is completely certain about who owned it. They had found the belt in the original investigation near Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach, and police believe that it belonged to the culprit, yet they have revealed pretty much nothing about its value as evidence or the exact place in which it was found. Authorities also announced that new scientific evidence was being utilized in the case, and they had launched gilgonews.com, a website in which they share news and receive tips in case someone knows anything about the case. You can even see news articles there, and one of them shows images of the belt related to the culprit. Later in the same year, on May 28th, the identity of a previously unknown victim was found by genetic genealogy. Jane Doe No. 6 was identified as Valerie Mack, who also went by the name Melissa Taylor. As this is a pretty recent case, more and more evidence could be found, fresh or not, so perhaps these crimes will be solved in no time. Or, as it happens too much of the time already, it may just remain another cold case. We just have to wait and see. Well, alas, fellow humans, we have come to an end of yet another episode. As usual, I just want to say that it was a privilege and a pleasure to spend my time with you today. My day is made brighter by your presence. So, what unsolved murders do you guys want to hear about? Do you have any hidden hometown horrors? How about visceral tales of villainous vagabonds? Yeah? Bleak tales of bloody bloated bodies? Let me know with a comment on my website or leave a comment on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, make sure you like and hit that subscribe button. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to my first subscriber on YouTube, the Baron of Belco. You rock, mate. Thanks for the sub. So that was episode 16 of ASM Murder. If you want to catch up on any episodes you missed, or you just want to hear more of me in general, you can go to my website, murpod.net. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-P-O-D.net. You can also find my podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoy what you heard, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and be good to each other. Take care. This is your friendly neighborhood crew, signing off.